0: Well, welcome to Brook this morning. So glad to have you on this summer morning. It's a beautiful time in Minnesota. And I'm Pastor Jim here. Get to uh, try to be the lead pastor uh, around here. And if this may be your first or second time We're so grateful that you're giving us a chance. This is our Sunday where we host a little discovery class. Discovery class doesn't take too long. It's immediately kind of after service, 10 to 15 minutes. We kind of get to know each other, um, share a little bit about who Faithbrook is. So if you're interested, we're going to start right over here in the front of the room here, about five minutes after church. If you want to grab your kids, you're welcome to bring them in. And um, it just be kind of a casual, informal um, little discovery class in our church. One of the things we'll share about Faith Brook is that we're really into three things. We're really into loving God with all of our hearts. And God wants us to love people. And we want to do that with all of our hearts the, the best we can in the journey together. One of the ways that we try to love people in Jesus' name is how to make an impact in our local community four or five times uh, a year. Now, this summer, the way we're making an impact is we are trying to get everyone to donate uh, backpacks for kids and low income. Their school supplies and backpacks. We just want to bless these families. And this is kind of our last call. Uh, next Sunday, uh, we'll be collecting all of them and taking them to Cross uh, Food Shelf to distribute to these children that might not have enough. Did you know that already 35 uh, backpacks have come in uh, this last couple of weeks? So it's awesome. So keep up the good work because we do want to um, love people and love God. Now, I'm not uh, getting to preach this Sunday, but Pastor Mike, our Connections Pastor, is going to come out now and uh, continue in our series, Unsung Heroes.
1: Well, hey, everyone. I am Pastor Mike, and I serve as the get to serve as the Connections Pastor. And it truly is so good to see everyone this, this morning. Well, uh, we are in the second week of our summer series called Unsung Heroes. And if you've been coming around Faithbrook for any bit, you might have heard of some uh, maybe famous characters from the Bible, maybe people like Moses, or maybe you've heard of people like Abraham, uh, Jesus. Uh, even the Apostle Paul. But we're taking this series to look through people that were in the Bible that have made significant impacts in the kingdom of God that are lesser known, who are our unsung heroes. But before we get into that, just as a quick poll, how many of you love dogs or have a dog of your own at home? Looks like quite a few of you. Okay, so I guess you guys are going to be able to resonate. So I have a two year old puppy at, Holden, at home named Penny. And when we were first uh, potty training her, I would have to take her outside to do her business. And after she'd do her business, then we would clean up after her. Well, not long after, I had the birth of my daughter named Evelyn. And for the past 14 and a half months, taking Penny outside has just kind of become an afterthought. In fact, she's just kind of really annoying. She wants to go in and out all the time. So now we just put her on the leash and send her out the door and let her do her business. Out there now, whether or not I get to go up and pick up after a business is kind of hit and miss. Sometimes you forget, sometimes you just get uh, just forget about to do it, and I don't remember it until I go to get my lawnmower and I go to mow my lawn and I find little treasures in the lawn. Well, maybe maybe if you don't have a dog, you don't resonate, but I think every one of us has had an instance where we have stepped in dog do right? But I, I'm not quite sure anyone goes around walking around looking for a dog dude to step into. In fact, if you see it, you usually want to avoid it. But the thing is, is that when we do step into it, usually we might not know we've stepped in it right away. Usually we don't recognize its effects until after we've been walking around for a bit. Maybe we look behind us and we see the trail Maybe there's that smell, there's that distinct smell, and let alone just once we find it, cleaning it up is just a mess, and I, I think that's uh, that is just just terrible. <laughs> no one likes cleaning up dog poo, but I think that's how a lot of us treat the sin in our lives. We don't manage it well. We we don't take it that seriously. And the opportunity for us to step into the dog dew gets exponentially higher, especially if we don't pick it up in our lives. And for those of us that maybe want to dabble in sin, we may convince ourselves that that may be a good thing. We never expect for it to blow up in our face, and we never expect for things to get worse than what we think it's going to be. But as we all know that once we've stepped into it, the damage is already done. So the question is, this is how do we navigate? How do we navigate the sin in our lives? How do we deal with it? And are we just subject to having to just clean up after ourselves time and time again? Well, I can say, thankfully, we can look to the Old Testament. We can find some answers. Yes, the Old Testament. There's some great stories going on in there. And Today, we're going to be looking at a story about how the Israelites got entangled in sin and how one guy, Phineas, was willing to do what no one else was willing to do. Now, I'm going to give it a little disclaimer. Today's going to be tough. Today's going to be a little heavy. We're going to be talking about sin, be talking about the sin in our own lives, how to manage that. And even the passage we're going to be looking at is is quite gruesome. In fact, it might read of something that you might see in the movie 300. It could be a scene just taken out from there. It's pretty graphic. But I can assure you that if we uh, can get through that and look at the truth that we have, that if we can do what Phineas is willing to do, if we could do the one thing that he was willing to do, we too can manage the sin in our own lives. So with that, I want to encourage you to get out your Bibles, whether it's your physical ones. We're going to be turning to the book of Numbers in chapter 25. Now, Numbers is way back. It records way back history. This is like before Israel's even a nation. I mean, this is old, old stuff. So we're going to be looking in the book of Numbers. It's about four books in from the beginning, and it's the book you read every weekend, right? It's what you dive into. So we're going to be sticking in there. And so as you're turning there, if you don't have a physical Bible, you can also go to your Bible app, and you can find it there as well. It will be Numbers chapter 25. Now, a little bit of context. So Israel, Israel had escaped from Egypt, and then they disobeyed God, and so they were wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years of are wandering around, and then now it's at a time where God says, okay, it's ready to go. I want to take you to the promised land. So, Israel's on the move and they're moving towards and they're journeying through, and they are a force to be reckoned with. In fact, Everyone they come in contact with, they are just obliterating. In fact, opposing enemies have no chance. In fact, there is a word going out throughout the land of who this Israelite army is, that they are the people of God, that the living God is with them and moving in and through them. People are terrified. And so what they do is they, they travel up north, and now they're sitting right on the east side. If, if you can imagine the Jordan River, they're sitting on the east side, and they are waiting to venture into the, uh, across the river to get into. To the promised land. And as they're sitting there, they're waiting, they're camping out, they're waiting for God's word, and among them are camped uh, two uh, types of people, two other uh, groups of people called the Moabites and the Midianites, and they are living there amongst them. And so we jump into our story starting in Numbers 25, verse 1. So let us read this together. So while Israel was staying in Shatim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women. Okay, so we're not off to a great start. We have these Israelites who, who are traveling. They have been obedient to God. They have been following his commands. They are plowing through all these uh, nations, and they are doing such great things. And all of a sudden, they break God's rule. In fact, they cross God's boundaries with sexual immorality. In fact, it says that they began to indulge, and it means to, to give in or even enjoy the pleasures of. Now, part of the problem with this is that one of God's laws or rules that he had set out for them was in regards to sexual purity. In fact, one of the biggest laws was sex, and he had set them apart and said, and said you know what, sex is gonna be sacred. It's going to be something so special. In fact, I'm going to make it just for one man, one woman, and it's going to be a binding contract. It's meant for just um, uh, for the, the covenant of marriage. And it's going to be really special, and it's not going to be something that's going to be used for use in religious practices. Now, a lot of the foreign nations in that time, for religious reasons, they would include sex as a part of their religious services. So this was something that really wanted to set the Israelites apart from the nations around them, and what they had done is they were, just broke that rule, just like that. Now, as I said, it, they, were, they were following God's commands, they were following God, and then all of a sudden, everything fell apart. They fell into sin. Now, if you're like me, you're thinking, okay, well, how did that happen so quickly? What, what happened? They were doing so good, and then they just fell off the wagon. What happened? Well, I think we can find ourselves in similar situations as well. You know, maybe we find that life is going great, and then we find ourselves uh, stepping into sin, and we're steeped in regret. And I think this can affect a lot of the different areas in our lives. It can affect our friendships. It can affect our jobs. It can affect our marriages. And it can affect ourselves and our own self-respect and dignity. And I think part of the problem is we don't always go looking for trouble, but if we, aren't, if we aren't careful, we find that it can find us and things can get dicey very quickly. Now, as we continue reading, what we're going to see is three ways in how Israel fell in this trap so quickly and then how it's going to apply to us. So let's go ahead and continue reading in verse 2. So these Moabite uh, women who invited them, the Israelites, to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate the sacrificial meal and bowed down before these gods. So Israel yoked themselves to the bow of Peor. That's their god in the region, and the Lord's anger burned against them. So Israel, Israel's camping out. Here they are. They're, they're sitting. They're waiting on, uh, waiting on God for him to go. And all of a sudden, their neighbors come to them and say, Hey, uh, would, you, would you guys want to come and join us? We have this big, huge party going on. In fact, it's this big festival, and there's going to be a lot of really good food. In fact, we've got this big fire going. We're going to be uh, grilling some uh, meat and stuff. It's going to be so great. There's going to be some dancing, some stuff. Why don't you guys come out and join us? So Israel goes out, and they join them. And next thing they know... They are partaking in the festivities, and eventually they find themselves bowing down to these foreign gods, obviously breaking one of the first commandments that God said to them, do not bow to any other gods. And clearly, God's not too thrilled. But this is what we find, and we find that when we give into temptation, we fall into sin. What we're going to find is when we give into temptation, we fall into sin. You see, when it's, it's the temptation that's there that leads us into sin. And we're going to see now three ways in this path, this little verse is that how Israel fell into sin. The first thing that we find is that there's an invitation to sin. There's an invitation. You see, sinning begins with an invitation. There's always something there that's going to invite us into doing the thing we shouldn't do. And for the Israelites, it was their neighbors inviting them out to this huge festival, this huge party. And I, I think for, for us, we have to realize this, that we're all tempted, right? We all, we all get tempted by something. Something is always inviting us to break the rules. Something is always inviting us into to doing something. And this is due to original sin. This is due to this inclination to even give into the sin. So we all experience this, right? We all experience being tempted with and facing a thing where we wanna, we know we shouldn't do something, but it's in our face and it's inviting us into doing it. And the thing is, is that a lot of times it doesn't seem like a big deal. If we think about this man being invited to a festival, that doesn't seem too bad. There's going to be some food there. Ah, it doesn't seem too crazy. But see, for these Israelites, it is. Because for those 40 years that they were wandering around in the wilderness, all that they ate was manna. It was basically these wafer things, if you can imagine that, from God. 40 years, all they ate was wafers. And then they, they're smelling this fire. You can just imagine it. There's this big, huge bonfire going on, and that's what's going to cook the meat. I mean, have you ever smelled a delicious uh, fire going on, and you know delicious meat is going to be cooked on it? So you can, you can tell that their senses are being, being tantalized a little bit. What is this? And they're being invited into this. And that's the challenge with temptation, that temptation is offering us something that we lack or even that we desire, and temptation invites us in. It invites us into doing something. Now, the temptation itself is not the sin. When we're tempted, that's not the sin. It's the invitation to sin. And that's what's so challenging, right? It's so challenging because on the surface, it seems so harmless. It's so harmless, and oftentimes what happens is we rationalize with ourselves uh, to 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 these things of giving into temptation. And I think what we do is we say to ourselves the "it's just" statements. We have these "it's just" statements. For Israelites, it was just a barbecue. It was just a festival. But what's your "it's just" statement? You know, maybe it's just a quick meeting alone with the opposite sex in your office. Maybe it's just going out for a few drinks. Maybe it's just sharing that little thing behind my coworker's back. They won't know about it. It's really small. It's not a big deal. You see, whatever your it's just statement is, that is the possible invitation to stepping into sin. And we find that these opportunities are everywhere we look, right? We face these every day, and we're at a decision are we going to give in or not? And when those times that happen that we give in, like the Israelites did, we see that they go into step two, which is this it's the decision to sin. We actually make the decision to sin. Now, for the Israelites, what they did is they ate and they bowed down. Now, they ate of the food that was sacrificed to other gods, and then they actually bowed down to these gods. Now, uh, a couple disclaimers is the, the thing of the food, uh, it wasn't so much the food uh, per se, but in those cultures, when you were invited in to eat something and you accepted and you sat down like they did, you were actually saying yes to what they were doing and you were participating and willing to partake in the things that were going on. In a lot of ways, you're saying, I agree with what's going on around here. I'm going to partake with a meal with you. Now, the second layer on this is that very it's very likely that they were uh, sacrificing pigs and uh, other kinds of animals that were uh, that were not to be on the, on the do not eat" list for Israel. see Israel had this a bunch of things that they could not eat, and one of those things was pig well if you're like me, I am a sucker for pig. I absolutely love pulled pork. I love fat back bacon. Anybody there with me? Yes. Could you imagine? Could you imagine being told you can't eat that ever again? Could you imagine that for a moment? Never being able to eat it. you smelling all your neighbors are cooking it, all your friends are doing it, but you're not able to eat it. So this is a challenge. This is the challenge that, that they had to, to deal with. And here's, and here's what happens. is In this, uh, in this section, uh, when we decide to sin, we tend to make compromises. Right? And maybe we're saying things uh, such as like this. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. Uh, everyone else is doing it. And see, the, thing, the problem with the compromise is it's, a, it's going below the standard you have set. You see, you have a standard like this. And for the Israelites, they had a standard that they were to live by this kind of a rule. And what they did is they compromised and they went below it. And we see that we do this all the time, especially when we're stepping into sin and we're deciding to make this sin. You know, maybe you find yourself saying these kinds of things. It's no big deal. Everyone's doing it. Maybe this one, it's just one time. It's no, it's no big deal. And the problem is, is that usually when we get into this kind of moment with sin, we've decided to actually do it. We then move on to step number three, and that is actually submission to sin. Submission to sin. So how do you submit to sin? Well, here, here's the thing. The, what we find is that the Israelites were yoked to this God of Peor. And what it means literally is, if you know of a, an actual yoke, an animal yoke, it means to join two things together. But figuratively, what it means is that they were bowing down and they were serving. It wasn't just an, an act of worship where they were just bowing down just because everyone else knew it, but no, their hearts were actually after this God. They were actually fully participating in everything of the worship and sacrifices of going on that went on with this God. You see, the Israelites found themselves stuck in, they were caught, and they were completely yoked, and they were completely submitted to the sin that they were estranged in. And see, part of the problem is, is that we, we think that we can control the sin but by the time we get here, it's too late because sin honestly has the hold on us. And what we find here is that we make justifications. We justify our actions for doing this. Maybe we say statements like, I deserve, I deserve this. Maybe the Israelites were saying, you know, I deserve this good food. It's so good. It's tasty. Uh, maybe you're saying statements like, well, it's really not that bad. And I think the, the other kind of statements that, that they would say is, well, at least it's not this. At least it's not Murder. It's not this. And making justifications. And before before the Israelites knew it, they were crossing the lines and the boundaries that God had set for them. And for us, we can find ourselves doing the same things too. Because when we give into temptation, that's when we fall into sin. Now, the story doesn't end here. It continues. And In fact, what we're going to see is what happens to, uh, to us when we don't deal with the sin. In fact, what happens with the Israelites when they don't deal with their sin and what can happen in the repercussions. So we'll go ahead and continue reading in verse 6. It says, Then an Israelite man brought into the camp a Midianite woman right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Okay. So here they are, they're, they're doing their things and they're standing around as a community and in comes in an Israelite man. Now it's not just any Israelite man. What we find later in the chapter is that this is a leader. This is one of the leaders of the community. This is a pillar of their community and he comes bringing in to the camp right in front of everyone, not only Moses, who's the leader of the entire nation, uh, not only that, but he brings in front of everybody and brings in this Midianite woman. Now, it's not just any Midianite woman. We find later on that she is the daughter of the tribal chief of these Midianites. So both these people are very prestigious. Both these people know full well what they are doing. In fact, they, uh, for, for them, for this kind of union to happen, it was not a mistake. This was something that was pre-planned and even, in a lot of cases, arranged to, to happen. But here, here's, the, here's the thing. Is, uh, we also see that he just brought her right in. Now, the interesting thing is this word Brought. It's the same Hebrew word as the word for, in verse 2, that we saw, invited. So the the play on words here is that just as we are invited into sin, just as we're tempted out, lured out into sin, eventually what happens is we end up inviting sin back into our own lives. In fact, we bring it into our own, ourselves, and even into the community around us. And so what we find is that sin actually can become exponential. Sin can become exponential, our sin leads to more and more sin. You see, again, we, we think we can control it. We, we think we can have a handle on it. But the actual truth is that it has a hold on us, and it actually changes our heart. It actually does stuff inside us. And we find ourselves pre-planning. We find ourselves meditating of how we can get our next fix, what else we can do. We even become apathetic. We become apathetic towards the actual sin itself and actually the people around us. We noticed that there were some people weeping. These people were were uh, crying. They were weeping. They were wailing because they they were crying on behalf of the, the leaders who were sinning and everything that was coming on. In fact, they knew they knew that God was going to do something about it. They didn't know what, but they they were they knew they knew God was going to deal with it. And the problem is, with sin is when we're so ensteeped in it, we're so in- entangled, we just don't care. All we care about is ourselves, and we don't care how it affects others. You know, maybe, uh, maybe you or maybe you know someone that you know has told just a little white lie. Have you ever done that? Just a, just a little lie. It wasn't that big. But what we find is that maybe yourself experienced this or maybe you saw someone else experience that that little lie, in order to keep it up, you have to tell a lot of other lies. And before you know it, it blows up in the face, and you're no longer even living in a truth. In fact, you're living a lie to keep up all the lies, and we find it just blows up in our face. And what we find is that if we don't deal with it, it'll deal with us. Because sin can become exponential. But I can say, friends, that there is great news. There is such good news because God provided a solution. And we're going to read this in verse 4. This is what God says. God said to Moses, he says, take all the leaders of these people and kill and expose them in broad daylight before the Lord so that the Lord's anger may turn away from Israel. Okay, so God has this crazy, this crazy solution, right? It's, it's this, it's to find these leaders, find everyone who's, who's sinning and put them in broad daylight and have them killed right in front of everybody. Now, if you're like me and you read this, you go, oh, that's, that's a little tough. That's pretty brutal. I don't know about you, but it raises an eyebrow. Like, why, why would a loving God do this? I thought, this is, isn't this a God who loves me? Well, here, here's the truth about this. This is out of love. This is out of love that uh, we see, find in the Old Testament a lot of times. God dealt with sin a lot more harshly uh, than he does more in the New Testament where, where we're living. You see, the whole thing was is he didn't want the sin to corrupt the people. He wanted to get it out. He wanted to get rid of it. Because what we find is to get rid of sin, we need to kill and expose it. To get rid of sin, we need to kill and we need to expose it. You see, sin sin wants to hide. Sin wants to be in the shadows. Sin wants to uh, take us into the dark places. Sin doesn't want to be out in the open. But here's the thing about sin. We find that God makes a big deal about sin because it is a big deal. It's, it's such a big deal because when we sin, what's happening is we are intentionally hurting others and or we are hurting God. You see, in this instance, God has set up some boundaries. He set up some rules for the relationships that we have. You know, maybe you have some friends, maybe even within your relationships that you have, your interpersonal relationships, there's some uh, rules and boundaries that you do to each other, that you have for one another. You know, don't, don't lie, you know, don't cheat, don't steal, those basic kind of things. But when we break those, we're sinning against each other. And we hurt each other, and we harm one another. And the same is with God, is when we break these boundaries, we sin. And this breaks his heart, and it breaks our relationship with him. But here's the thing, is we really need to get it out in the open, and we need to get it out, and that's the way we can kill it. And the best way that we can do this is to confess. Is to confess our sin and to get it out in the open. And it's literally coming clean with it. You see, when we, when we confet, confess and we admit our shortfall, we're able to have reconciliation and even be able to receive forgiveness. But see, that's the hard part, isn't it? Is admitting. Admitting that we've done something wrong, admitting that we've fallen short. I know for a lot of us here in the West, that's a hard thing to do. Especially in a competitive culture that we're in, to admit that we're not as good as others think we are, even that we think we are. But when we fall short, sometimes that's okay. We need to admit it. We need to admit that we fall short. Because remember, sin, sin is causing damage in a relationship, and it needs to be repaired. And confession is those steps about making steps to repair our relationship. Now, there have been multiple studies done on what confession does, on the psyche. In fact, Psy- uh, Psychology Today uh, has multiple studies on it. And one of the studies that they did is they reported that confession leads to this. It leads to higher self-esteem, it leads to confidence, and the freedom from a sense of guilt. Now, Psychology Today is a secular uh, psychology magazine. But we all, we all experience that when we have uh, the guilt upon us, it weighs heavy. And when we confess, we're able to release that and get it, get it out into the open. Alcoholics Anonymous and other recovery groups also understand the power of confession. In fact, it is one of the major 12 steps that they do to go on their uh, steps to recovery, and that is to admit and confess the wrongdoings in, your, in our lives. And what we find is that confession really does help us deal with our sins. So to get rid of sin, we need to kill it and expose it and bring it out into the open. But here's the thing, are we really willing to do that? Are we really willing to take the steps necessary that it does so that we can actually get it out in the open and get rid of it? Now the story continues, and we enter Phineas. Here's our unsung hero, and he does something incredible. Let's read what he does. It says, when Phinehas, the son of Elazer, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he left the assembly, took a spear in his hand, and followed the Israelite into his tent, and he drove a spear into both of them, right through the Israelite man and into the woman's stomach. Okay, it doesn't take multiple readings of this that, man, that is so gruesome. That is pretty graphic, but yet there it is. And here's Phineas. He's, he's, a, he's a priest. He's a priest for the Israelites to a, be a, a pastor for the day, So you can imagine one of the Facebook pastors, they're, they're standing there, they're watching this go on. They're watching this scene unfold, and they say, "No. No way. That's not happening in my camp." So he grabs a spear, follows them into his family's tent, and he proceeds to kill them both. You see, while Phineas, uh, while everyone was idly watching by, Phineas is the one who took action. And sometimes what we find is that we need to take drastic measures to deal with our sin. And this is the reason why we need to do so. This is the reason we need to take drastic measures because not long after this, this is what the Lord does for Phineas. Lord blesses him. Let's read in verse 12 and 13. It says, This Lord says, Therefore, tell him, tell Phineas, that I am making a covenant of peace with him because he was zealous for the honor of his God. You see, God granted Phineas this agreement of, of peace for his passion and his zeal for taking care of the sin. No one else is going to be willing to do it, but he took care of it. Now, this word peace is an incredible word. In fact, for, in the Hebrew language, it's this word shalom. And it's not just peace that we would think today of, uh, oh, tranquility, but the word shalom is really paints a bigger picture. In fact, what it paints is this idea of being complete or being whole. It's this idea of, of quietness, even welfare, uh, prosperity. And I think most importantly, it's this idea of having peace or friendship with God. And so what we find is, is that when, we, when we're actually dealing with a sin in our life, when we're able to take these drastic measures, we actually can gain this peace that God offers, that peace is offered for us. And it's not just a peace, but it's actually this whole, wholeness of life. And what we find is that when we kill sin, we gain life. When we kill sin, we gain life. See, if we're willing to deal with a sin in our lives, we can heal, we can have forgiveness, and we can have this peace that can only come from God. We can have shalom. Now, obviously, obviously we are not to be going around uh, snoping out people who are sinning and go around and kill them with a spear. Well, who has a spear? Maybe you have a crossbow. Well, that's not what we're called to do, but... What we are called to do is to do what Phineas did, and that is, would we be willing? Would we be willing to do what no one else is willing to do, and that is to deal with sin? Are we willing to deal with the sin in our lives? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to get rid of our sin? Because we find is when we kill sin, we gain life. Now, as we wrap up today, I want to pray for that we would have the courage, as we leave here, that we would have the courage, like Phineas, to deal with sin, that we'd be willing to take drastic measures. And I know it's challenging, I know it can be difficult, sometimes it can be embarrassing to admit some things that we've done, but we find that it is very necessary. So here's a question for us to ask ourselves is this What sin do you need to kill? What sin do you need to kill? And as you're sitting there and you take a moment to reflect in your life, would you take an inventory? Is there a sin that's been sitting there, take an inventory, search your heart. What what is that sin that you may need to take care of? So I think if we're honest with ourselves, you know, sin feels so good in the moment. It can be exhilarating. Sometimes it can be fun. But really after a while we find out it just gets messy. And it not only ruins ourselves, but it can also ruin the lives of others around us. But when we are passionate, as Phineas is passionate, we're willing to deal with sin. We can find that we can get the peace from God that only can come from God. And not only would our relationships with God improve, but others as well. You see, sin is just a momentary pleasure in place of a lifetime of satisfaction. Now in just a few moments, we're going to have the opportunity to be able to pray silently and uh, confess our sin before God, be able to lay it out and ask for his forgiveness. You know, maybe you're, maybe you've been following Jesus for a while and you just, you find yourself, you caught in sin. You just find yourself, man, you just, you're there. That's okay. We'll have a time to confess that. Well, maybe you're sitting there and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you haven't made the decision, maybe you feel that you don't need him, but man, right now God is speaking to you and he's saying, hey, he's like, I love you so much. And he's saying, I want you to to be in relationship with me. I want to have a relationship with you. Would you be willing to confess your sin that we could be in relationship together? So at this time, let's go ahead and close our eyes. Let's all close our eyes together as we pray. And if you are willing to kill sin, if you're willing to say yes to Jesus, and maybe even for the first time receive God's peace, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, we are sitting here in your presence, and God, we are, we are so thankful that you are so loving to us, that you offer us moments that we can uh, come to you whenever we need to. We can come to you and have a relationship with you. But God, in this moment, I just want to take a, a moment to confess just a sin in my heart, just to confess wrongdoings in my life, the ways that I've offended you, maybe even ways that I've offended others, broken that relationship, and just want to confess that before you right now. And God, we, we as we confess that, we believe wholly and fully that your son Jesus takes that. And because of what he has done on the cross, we know that we can receive forgiveness from you, and we ask for that forgiveness. And may you forgive us. May you forgive us for our wrongdoings. Because we know the price that Jesus paid. We are so thankful for that. And today, we ask as we step into new life, confessing towards you, that we may be able to walk with a renewed relationship. We know that you forgive our sins. Give us a clean slate. And may your Holy Spirit empower us to pursue and follow you. That when we are tempted with sin that comes in our life, that we can recognize it, we can identify it, and we can make that decision not to step into it. That your Holy Spirit would guide us, we pray for that. It's In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now before we open our eyes, if you would just keep them closed. If you prayed for the first time, maybe you have never said yes to Jesus. If that was you today, or maybe you're recommitting your life to Christ, if that was you. In the seat back in front of you, you can grab one of these red cards. And if you would just take a moment to fill out on the back, just your information. And there's a little checkbox that says, today I decided to, and it says, follow Jesus for the first time or even recommit. And would you fill this out? And at the end of the service you could take, you drop it off into one of the offering boxes in the back as you leave the worship center. And may this be as a symbol for you and your heart that you know that today you've made a decision, today that you have said, you have asked for forgiveness of your sins and are starting a brand new relationship with Jesus. And in addition to that, myself or one of our pastoral staff would love to follow up with you and journey along with you as your new life with Christ. So I'll give you a few moments just to fill that out. And for those of us maybe not feeling it out, would you just be praying just for other people, just be praying that uh, for ourselves, just asking God, God, would your spirit continue to empower us and embolden us to live for you each and every day? Or we may open up our eyes. As I said, sin sin is a difficult, difficult topic to talk about. No one, wants to, no one wants to address it. It's extremely taboo in our society. But it yet it's a big deal to God. And for us, it should be a big deal as well. And this is something that we should talk about. We should get it out in the open. That way we can encourage each other and we can come alongside one another so we don't fall into sin, that we don't fall into temptation. And that we can live in such a way, like Phineas did, that we can do incredible things for the kingdom of God that we can make such an impact. You see, temptation is around every opportunity, but you know what? Aren't we so grateful? Aren't we so grateful that we have a loving God who pursues us relentlessly and that he's willing to make a way for us to help us deal with sin. And when we do deal with the sin, we truly do gain life. We truly do gain that. And not only with our relationship with God, but others as well. I mean, could we could we imagine how this can radically change our lives? When we're willing to nip sin in the butt, sin in the butt, and we're willing to reconcile our relationships, imagine how that's gonna change our family. How does it change our relationships with our parents? Maybe our kids, our grandkids, even our friends and our coworkers. You know, it's then, it's then when people start to see us and start to recognize that something different about us, that we deal with life differently, and that we really do have a holy God that is working in us and through us, unlike anything else this culture sees today. So as we uh, go in and continue, as we get ready to let us stand together. I love to pray a prayer of blessing as we go. So God, thank you so much just for who you are and all the wonderful things in just the way you love us. As we go today, God, may we have the boldness like Phineas to deal with our sin, that when we recognize that we're being tempted or even we make that decision or even we may find ourselves even submitting into sin, God, would we have the boldness of Phineas to be able to deal with the sin and to kill it and expose it, that we may step into new life, that we may have a solid relationship with you and others. May your spirit empower us and embolden us as we go. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as you go, I'll see you later. If you're newer with us, we'd like to join with you in the front for discovery class. Have a great week. Stick around. Have a cup of coffee. Take care.